Thank you for joining us on our Living Word Christian Center podcast. You're about to listen to one of our guest speakers. Open up your hearts and get ready to receive a word from the Lord. And that verse starts off, it says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. And you'll notice in that verse that it's a capital H. Him is speaking of God. Amen. How many know that God speaks to us? That the Lord speaks to us, right? And, and, you know, if you look in the Bible, you see many examples of this. If you remember Moses, you know, he's walking along one day and he sees this bush that's on fire. And the bush is not being consumed by the fire. It's just on fire. And he goes up to it to check it out. And the Lord begins to speak to him from that bush. That's a pretty crazy thing, right? I feel like I might be, you know, am I on something? What's going on here, right? The, the, how else does he speak? Well, if you look at this guy named Job in the Bible, this righteous man that was tested, that went through all these trials, just God was showing how awesome and how righteous he truly was through all these trials. God came to him and he spoke to him through a whirlwind, right? And he started to speak out of this whirlwind. That's, that's pretty crazy too, right? And then there's this guy, Elijah. If you've ever read of Elijah in the Bible, he's a right, like a right, a mighty man of God, right? And, and he does some awesome things. And, and he does these very powerful things. Like he calls down fire from heaven. You're like, whoa, right? But here's the thing. When you look at when, how God spoke to Elijah, check this out. It says, he didn't speak to him. Uh, there was a strong wind that came when he asked the Lord to speak to him. And the Lord didn't speak out of the strong wind. And this wind was so powerful, it was breaking the rocks and the stones on the mountain, but nothing. Then a big earthquake came. This big dramatic event happened, and, and still God didn't speak to him out of the earthquake. And then there was a fire, and still the Lord didn't speak to him out of the fire. But how did the Lord speak to Elijah? He spoke to him with a still, small voice. Amen? This mighty man of God that did mighty exploits, the Lord spoke to him personally in a still, small voice in his heart. Amen? And I believe that you, children of God, if you are, are, are really in love with the Lord, if you have a relationship with him and you seek his face, I believe that he will speak to you and he will start to give you dreams and visions in your life. And these, these, the way that he speaks to you, it, it doesn't always have to be a fire. It doesn't always have to be a whirlwind. It could just be that one time, if you, if you know already, that one time that he spoke to you in your heart and he said something to you and you heard it and you knew it was the Lord, right? The Lord speaks to us. He calls us to do things. You know, many times when you go to church, you think, well, you know, there's the pastors, Right? Uh, am I called to be a pastor, right? And sometimes we, we focus solely on that, but let me tell you, the Lord speaks to you on more ways, and he calls you to do more things. He doesn't call you just to be a pastor, because I know when I, when I first had this revelation from God that I was going to preach the word and teach the word of God, that was the first thing. But then he began to give me other revelations of things that he wanted to do in my life. And they were things that I had no idea how to do. Things having to do with education, right? With getting a job, getting a career, getting married, having children, 
right? These things God began to speak into my life. And I just want to tell you all today, I want to ask you really, has the Lord spoken in your life? You know, is there something inside of your heart that you can think of right now that the Lord spoke to you? And then I want to ask you another question, which is this. Have you refused him? Amen. Have you refused him? And I know that sounds kind of crazy, like who refuses God, right? I know Jonah did, but... Right? Who refuses God? Because oftentimes when the Lord speaks to you, you're at the altar, right? You ever had that? You go to the altar, you're crying out to God. God is like, I'm going to use you. Somebody comes up and they lay hands on you say, you are going to preach and teach the word of God. And you're like, yes, Lord. You're on fire. You're like, thank you, Jesus. And it's, it's Sunday morning and you're in tears and then it's Monday the next day. You know, you go back to school. You go back to your normal life. And all of a sudden, the attacks start coming in. You see, we don't refuse the word of God. We don't refuse his voice straight up. But what happens is attacks start to hit us in our life. And not only is it attacks that hit us, but also the Lord has to discipline us. He has to chasten us. He has to make us into a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that process involves suffering. How many know the Bible says that Jesus, the captain of our salvation, God saw it fit that he would be perfected through sufferings. Amen. So there, the, there's a, a big gap between that time that God spoke something into your heart and to when it's going to be fulfilled. And through that gap, it's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to lose track because these attacks hit us and all of these things come and, and we get disciplined and we don't, we don't know what to do. We feel like a failure. We feel like we're never going to accomplish it. And so since all of these things come in, we get broken. We get hurt. We get weary, you know, we get sad. We, we feel like it's never going to happen. And so today I want to I speak to you uh, uh, about these things, these, these, these ideas of, of, of sinners and, and, and people who will come against the vision, the dream, the thing that God gave you in your life. And not only that, but, you know, speak about God's discipline in your life and how vital it is. You see, like I said, when you come to the altar and you get that vision, you have that dream, or maybe it's not even at the altar. For me, I was in my bed at night. I was laying there, and I was just sitting there, and I remember I had the window open. This was in El Monte, California, if you know where that's at. You know, the police helicopters are... You know, there's like a party, like... <laughs> you thought you were there, huh? You know? I remember I was laying there, you know, laying there with my window open at night, summertime, and I was laying there, and I, was, I started to close my eyes to go to sleep, and, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came upon me, and I just started having these visions of me preaching and teaching, and when I was laying there, I was doing it. I was standing on a stage, and I was preaching, and I could feel God's anointing upon me. Man, this is awesome, but it was probably six or seven years after that that I actually preached my first sermon. And let me tell you, it was not anointed, right? The Lord had to discipline me. And, and the reality is that when I, when, I, when I had that vision, 
You know, when I started to take a stand for Christ and, and I would go into college, I was at, I was, the Lord brought me to college and I was there in this school and I, was, I would go and I would, I would stir up a fight. You know, I don't believe in abortion. I don't think you should kill a baby. And people went, you know, the whole class would erupt and the teachers loved it. You know, I, was, I believe in God. Well, you know, they would all just try to contradict me. But, you know, the, the world hates God's vision for you. The, the enemy hates God's vision for you, and he uses people to attack you. And the way that he does it is he inserts these fiery darts into your heart that just hit you right in your heart. And when you're least expecting it, you know, the enemy is dirty. He takes, he takes the chance he can to hit you on your, when you're turned around, get you in your back. And it discourages you, and you become weary. There's this verse in Hebrews chapter 12 the same chapter that we read the, 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 the idea of do not resist the one who speaks, he who speaks. It, it's in verse 3. It says, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I'm here to tell you this, believers, Christianity is a fight. Christianity. If anybody looks at Christians, you know, sometimes people look at us like we're sissies. Oh, you don't drink? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you're drunk. You know, I go to party. I go to like my work and everybody drinking beer. They think they're so hard. I'm like, hey, let's see you not drink for six months. Then let's see who's more manly. Let's see you stand up against sin and say no to everybody else who's doing it right in front of you. And then let's see who's manly. Let's see you stand for God, and then we'll see, right? Because the world, they have this conception that, that to be a Christian is easy, but it's not. It's a fight, and it's the fight of your life. It's the fight to accomplish what the Lord speaks in your life. So we have to consider Jesus. Look at him. He came, and he was crucified by his own people, the people he came to save. That's pretty crazy, right? And so we got to expect these attacks to come into our lives. And you know, sometimes, this is the worst part about it, sometimes the attack doesn't even come from somebody who's not a Christian. Oh, dang. Sometimes it comes from a Christian. You ever been attacked by a Christian? Another brother? Start saying, is that guy even saved anyways? Do they really love the Lord? I don't know. It happened to Jesus, if you remember, when he started to tell people, he started to tell his disciples, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die. And what does his disciples say? Well, one of them, Peter, he came up to him, and he said, it says in uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 22, it says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine that? He began to rebuke Jesus and saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. You see, sometimes people, they speak out of their flesh. They speak out of their old, you know, the old creation, right? Because how many know you can be Christian, you can be saved, but you can be fleshed out, right? Sometimes you fall short of the glory of God. And so I want to encourage you today because just like Peter rebuke Jesus. Sometimes people speak things into our lives, these, like I was saying, these little comments, these little darts, and they start to add up. You know, they start to, it's like the straw that broke the camel's back, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody says it, and then somebody else, oh, you'll never do that. 
oh, you, you're not very good at guitar, are you? Right? Oh, you're not good at the drums, are you? Oh, wait, you, you know, you, you want to be a, a pastor? Are you a parson? <laughs> you know, sometimes I have people say that. Oh, are you a, like a, a priest? You know, they don't, right? Like people will start to say these things and they'll come against you and they'll attack you. And what happens is they build up and they build up to the point where you get discouraged. And then all of a sudden you realize that you're listening to the wrong voice. Amen? And I want to tell you all today, and I want to ask you today to think back to that voice, the voice of the Lord speaking into your life, and realize that all of the other voices need to be silenced. Amen? And it doesn't matter who it is, because if the Lord God Almighty, think about this, in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that God spoke the universe into existence. The universe, his speaking, he spoke it forward. He said, let there be light and there is light. So that God who spoke that forward, if he spoke something into your life and said, you need to do this, surely he can accomplish it, right? Amen? So we have to be careful. We have to close out. We got to be like Jesus. You know what Jesus did when his disciple rebuked him? Try to tell them to like, hey, don't worry about it. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. It says, but Jesus, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Amen. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not telling you to go rebuke your brother, right? I'm not telling you, hey, hey, you don't know, you know, no. I'm saying in your own heart. Amen? Because all of us have voices in our heart. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about like you hear voices, right? You know? I'm saying you have an inner voice, right? You have this thing. You have, you have this inner dialogue, this inner conversation. And sometimes the enemy will stick these little attacks inside of your mind. And as a Christian, if you want to succeed, if you want to do things for God, if you want to be mighty, if you want to be anointed, if you want to move forward in the things of God, you have to learn how to rebuke those thoughts, those lies from the pit of hell and say, in the mighty name of Jesus, no. I will not listen to you. I will continue to press forward. And it gets harder and harder because as you begin to step out more for God and you start to do things, it's like you go from preaching and teaching to the youth and now all of a sudden you're preaching and teaching. Guess to who? Nobody. An empty church. Wow. That's, that's real. You know? This is what it means to serve God. You might, you might be called to be a pastor, but you think, well... You might think, well, like I did when I first went out. I thought, hey, I'm going to open up my church. I got these cool flyers. I got all this, you know, everything set up, and everybody's going to come. I imagining like all these people from my, you know, from here or wherever coming in, coming to see us, open, grand opening, and we open it up, and nobody came, right? Nobody came. And, and that's real. That's what will happen. Sometimes you will face these trials, and what is it? It's the discipline, the chastening of the Lord. You see, because when I first opened a church, I opened it thinking that I was going to do something. 
You know, I opened it that thinking that people would be there and they would hear they would hear what I say and they would get delivered just like I got delivered. You know, I was on fire for the Lord and I imagined that, you know, hey, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to organize this thing and everything's going to work out. It's, it was all me. And the Lord rebuked me. And he rebuked me hard, man. I remember laying, you know, my kids, they were little, they go into kids' church and I'm sitting here on the chairs by myself, just crying out to God, like, you know, repenting, right? And, and, I, and I still feel, well, obviously, I still have a long way to go, amen? And, and so the question then becomes, well, what, why, why at times do we feel discouraged? At times, it's because the Lord is trying to teach us something. Amen? It's not always the negative voices. Sometimes it's the Lord trying to show us something new, you know, to make us aware of something inside of ourselves so that we, we get disciplined, you know? And, and there's a, a scripture in, in, in the same chapter here in verse 5. Um, it says, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Amen. So sometimes as, as Christians that want to serve the Lord, that want to do what the Lord has spoken into our heart, we're going to get rebuked. We're going to be put in a position where, you know, whatever we do fails and we can't understand why and we come to the Lord and, and he looks at us and he goes, it's you. It's you. Or maybe he's trying to teach you. Maybe he's trying to say, will you continue to press in? Will you continue to be faithful? How do you know what God is going to do in this city? I remember sitting in this empty church in this place that was so ungodly, we would pass out flyers, and they wouldn't even cuss at us. They wouldn't even get mad. They would just be like, no, thank you. And they would just walk into their like Ferrari or whatever, right? They, they're rich people. They don't want anything to do with God. And I remember being there and, and, and passing out these flyers, and it was like, what am I going to do here, Lord? What? And it was like he was testing me. Will you be faithful? And you don't know what he's doing. You know, as people, as Christians, as pastors, as individuals, everywhere we go, we are a light, and we are a testimony right? And when the end of times comes and the judgment time comes and people are standing before the throne of God in that city that I was in and they say, well, we didn't know. The Lord's going to be like, yeah, you could have. There was an empty church. You drove by that flyer that was there, that big poster 50 times, right? And you didn't even care. So we're a testimony. So you don't know what God's doing, but you have to be willing to learn and willing to continue to press on despite the attacks. You know, imagine how Peter felt, right? Imagine how he felt when he got rebuked by the Lord, right? We get disciplined, but we have to press on. We have to press forward. You know, it says in uh, verse 6 there, it says, from for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and every son he receives, or every son whom he receives if you endure chastening, that's discipline for those of you who don't know that word, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate sons. I remember when I was living in the world, 
you know, I, I, and I was fleshed out, man. I was all broken, you know, and just doing all this sinful stuff. And I, re- I lived with my dad, and my dad and I, we got in this big fight because he was like, hey, you're not going to do drugs. And I was like, yeah, what are you going to do about it? And I remember he took me, and he slammed me against every wall in my entire house, and then he threw me out the front door. And I remember laying there like, okay. That was it. I slept on a bench for a little while. I was like 16. I was sleeping on the little bench. And then I moved in, uh, got in contact with my mom, and I moved in with her. And I remember she picked me up, and I was driving to her house, and she said, hey, I heard you like to smoke weed. I'm like, yeah. She said, okay, well, let's go get you some. And she took me to the place to pick it up, and I thought, wow, I'm in heaven. Like, I, I thought this was the best thing ever. I said, man, and she let me do whatever I want. I would come home drunk. She didn't care. She would buy me. She did not It didn't matter at all, and I thought, this was it. And so I went down this path for some time, and as I did it, and the more and more I went into it, the worse and worse I got, the less satisfying it gets. Because, you know, when you serve sin, how many know that the sin that you serve, it becomes less satisfying? The more that you do it, you crave more, and the less you actually get fulfilled by it. It's, It's like hell on earth. It's terrible. And it was this time in my life that I realized something. It's the people that are willing to discipline you that really love you. It's the people that are willing to tell you that you're wrong that you should listen to. It's the people that are willing to correct you that are really showing the love of God to you. And I remember when I, when I got out of that pit, it was mostly because my grandpa who was living in L.A., and I said, I want to go to school, and he said, you can come with me. You can live with me, but you have to go to church every Sunday, and you have to clean your room. Now, I was like 18 years old. You know, I was like living, doing whatever I want. I, nobody, I didn't clean my room, go to church, but it was that, that man, my grandpa, who brought me to the place where I got saved. And, and it was the biggest impact on my life. So I want to encourage you today, if you are dealing with the Lord's chastenings and disciplines in your life, realize that he's doing it because he loves you. I like what verse 11 says. It says, no chastening, no discipline seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the perf- peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Amen? So when you're going through discipline, when God is dealing with you, it doesn't feel good. You know, I remember when I first uh, started going to church, and I would go, and I would, I would sit there in the church, and there was a group of youth kind of like this, and I would look around like, these guys are dorks. That's what I thought. I'm like, why is, he, why is this guy smiling at me? You know, I didn't even get it. Why is he happy he's not even loaded? Like, to me, the only time I could be happy is if I was on drugs. And everybody else, to me, looked like some kind of weirdo. I don't get it. And God had to deal with me. And I remember one time they invited me, hey, you want to go to the beach? And I was like, uh, they called me up. Somebody gave me my number. They called me, you want to go to the beach? I'm like, no, I got a lot to do today. And I, I sat in this little tiny room in El Monte, California, 
with my grandpa, you know, who doesn't like to turn on the air conditioner because he's from the Great Depression era. So it's like 90 degrees, I'm sitting there, and all I can think of is those dudes are at Newport Beach, you know, swimming in the ocean, man. How stupid am I? It was like, that was suffering, right? We have to sometimes go through suffering. We have to go through these times when, and we recognize that it's the Lord. You know, another example I remember, uh, I, I would used to drive to school from El Monte to Santa Monica, and that was my commute. And I remember I was driving, and I got a seatbelt ticket. Anybody ever get a ticket in here? Man, that's terrible, right? You're like, I'm already broke, all right? I don't have any money. I'm a college student. I got nothing, but I have to give you what I have, right? Then I was driving another time. A couple weeks later, I got another ticket, and I was in downtown L.A., and there's like a hooker right here, some guy shooting up right here. I mean, there's like all this debauchery going on, and they pulled me over. The dude was standing on the side of the road, and he pointed at me, and he said, come over here. And, and, I, and, I, and I just, I wanted to explode. Like, I'm like, this is unreasonable. Why are you doing this to me, right? And I drove away that day, and I realized it wasn't the police officer it was the Lord. He was teaching me something. What was he teaching me? Authority. You have to learn to respect authority. Man, that's painful. You know, that's a lesson that we all have to learn, though, if we want to succeed. If we want to fulfill that thing that the voice of God has spoken into our life, how can we do it if we don't know how to obey authority? And God was using that to teach me how to submit and, and the police officer there, he was, a, he was truly a messenger of God. And, and, and so he teaches us in this way. And so we have to realize that the chastening turns us into a righteous individual. And so I want to end on these last few scriptures here. Well, maybe a three or four. I don't know. We'll see. And uh, <laughs> Naomi's laughing back there. Uh, in verse uh, 12, it says, therefore, I like this verse. It says, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the, knee, knee, the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. Now, this is kind of interesting if you think about it. If you've ever seen somebody with a broken bone, you know how they put them in the cast, Right? Why do they put them in the cast? Well, because the bone is dislocated. It's not in the right position. And so if they don't put it in a cast and put it in the right position to hold it there, what happens is it will get healed in that broken position. And so it will be dislocated for the rest of your life unless they re-break it and then relocate it, right? And this is the same way it is with us as Christians. We have to realize that those voices that have come against us, those attacks from the pit of hell, those people who spoke things into our hearts, be they Christians, be they sinners, be they people who are enticing us to sin, whoever it is, right, they've, they've 
puts something in us and it causes us to be broken. And the only way that we should be mended is not just by waiting some time or just like letting time heal all wounds. No, it's by coming back to the simple voice of God and saying that thing that you spoke in me, Lord, I'm going to pick back up that thing and I'm going to start moving again and I'm going to start pressing on because I'm not going to be healed in this broken space. I don't want to be dislocated for the rest of my life. And it doesn't matter if I preach to nobody. It doesn't matter if I have people mocking me. It doesn't matter if people say I'm wrong or, or I'm this or I'm that. It doesn't matter what they accuse me of. I'm going to stand up for Jesus. I'm going to listen to the voice of him who speaks. I don't want to refuse him because he's God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and he spoke this thing into me. It's so beautiful, and it's such a privilege that we can have God speak into our lives and give us vision and give us dreams. We have to cherish these things. We have to come back to that simple voice. Verse 15 says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Look what this says. It says, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. You see, every single Christian, your life can affect thousands of lives, more than thousands of lives. Who knows? We don't know. If you get saved and, and you serve God and you maybe just have one sermon, or maybe you play the, the music, or maybe you, maybe you are a faithful person at your job. Maybe you're a godly mother who raises their children in the things of God. Maybe you're a, a, a faithful wife. Maybe you don't fornicate. Right? Maybe you don't, don't follow the ways of the world. Maybe you're not living in sin. And that thing that you do, it causes somebody else to question. And they question and they turn to the Lord. And then the next person that gets saved from them is the next Billy Graham or some other person. And so this, this thing that it's cautioning us here is that we have to be careful that a root of bitterness does not spring up inside of us. You see, because we have to come back to the Lord, and we have to forgive, and we have to move on. You know, all those voices, you know, that those things that were spoken against us, we have to rebuke them and move on and press forward and on to the calling that God has for us. Amen? Because, like I said, I'll end on this last verse here, or two. <laughs> like I said, this verse here in verse 16, it says, this is, this is kind of a scary one, to be honest. It says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. He says, for you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. You see, there was this man Esau in the Bible, and he was destined to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. His name would have been forever remembered in the books, the Gospels. People would have known this man Esau. They would have known who he was, but guess what? Esau was a profane man. That means he was against God. He was against the things of God. And it says that he was like a fornicator 
right? Like somebody who's sold, that word fornicator means like a male prostitute. He sold himself, he sold his birthright cheaply so that he can be satisfied because what happened in the story was that he came in from the field and he was hungry and he saw this food that was being made and he sold his birthright to his brother to get some food, to fulfill that lust. And afterwards, he was sorrowful. Afterwards, he had tears. He wanted to repent. He wanted his blessing, but he found no room for repentance. You see, God always wants to bring us back, right? He always wants to bring us back, you know? And and I'll say today to you, all of you, I want to encourage you today, press on with that vision that God gave you. Don't let anything take it away from you. Don't let your birthright be stolen. If you're here, I don't know, I don't know if, you're, if you're new, if you're not, it doesn't matter. I'm going to tell you this. If you come, if God has spoken something into your life already, hold on to it and pick it back up again. If you've let it go, if you've refused the voice of him who's spoken to you, if you walked away because you're discouraged and you feel like it's never going to come to pass or because you can't even see it, you don't know how it's going to work out. I'm going to tell you today, it's going to work. You just have to do this one thing. I like this, this scripture in Proverbs. It says this. It says, in all labor, there is profit, but idle chatter only leads to poverty. And so what does that mean? What is this one thing you have to do? You have to, you have to labor. You have to work. You have to start sweating You have to step out in faith. Amen? I'm not saying you're going to get this blessing like by works, but I'm saying a lot of times as youth, because I know because I was where you're at today, you think of something. God puts something on your heart. I don't know. Tell me if this ever happened to you, or you can say amen in your mind if you're embarrassed, but God puts something on your heart, and then you tell somebody about, yeah, you're all excited, you're on fire, and then it fizzles out. It fizzles out. And, And you never... Do that thing. And, and the Lord put it on your heart. You know he did. I want to encourage you today. Don't allow that to happen. Because you just got to just step out in faith, believing that God is going to accomplish what he said. And ta- what does this mean? Instead of talking about it, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Okay? Let me tell you. Don't talk. Just do. All right? Don't, don't stand there and talk like, you know those people that they're going to get in a fight and there's like two guys and they're like, hey, you want to mess with me? And the other guy's like, yeah, you want to mess with me? And they're like, cross this line, right? And they're like, no, you cross this line, right? This is what a lot of Christians are like. You know what I'm saying? They're like, they're talking all the time. Well, I'm going to do that, blah, 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 blah. And sometimes they come up to me and they talk and I, I listen and I say, okay, all right, well, praying for you. And I even do. But here's the thing. Just do don't talk. Now is the time for action in your life. Do you understand that? You are at a place where if you make one little shift now and you just say, yeah, God has been telling me to to seek. And like I said, it's not just being a pastor. Okay. That's, that's awesome. It's not just being on the worship team. It could be starting a business. It could be, you know, going to college. It could be like whatever it is, 
These things are just because it's not in the church doesn't mean God isn't moving you in that direction. Because guess what? I went to college because God brought me to that place. And my education and my career is what finances through my tithe, my church today. Amen? So what if I would have just said, no, God, I want to be a pastor. I don't want to go to college. No, I thought you called me to be a pastor. And oh, no, college is for this. No. God's plan is big. And so when he inspires you to do things, when he inspires you, when you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you inside of your heart, I want to tell you, do that thing. Don't talk about it. Don't think, you know, I was saying earlier today, have you ever heard that saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? And I want to tell you this, the road to sitting in these seats in 10 years from now, being in a place that you know you shouldn't be in because you didn't act. You get there by just having good intentions, by not doing. Amen? So I want to encourage you guys today with that. And uh, you can come on up. I like this last scripture. Wow, is this the last, 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 last? Amen? I love the Bible. I don't know about you guys. I love the, hey, if you're, if you're, while we're here, I'll give you this one for free. Read your word, man. Pick up the word of God. You have instruction from, a, from kings in this. You have instruction from righteous people who, man, if you follow the word, if you open the book of Proverbs and you put that in action in your life, oh, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bless you. And that's exactly where I'm taking this next scripture out of Proverbs 24. It says, do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. And then we'll look what it says. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. You know, I want you all to just go ahead and stand up if you wouldn't mind. And... If you guys could just close your eyes. You know, I, I believe we serve a personal God. You know, a God who has a relationship, who desires to have a relationship with us. And I just want you, with your eyes closed, to just remember back however long it was to the thing that the Lord spoke into your heart. You know, remember the voice that spoke to you. And, and when he spoke this thing into your heart, you were on fire. You were excited, okay? And I just want to say, if you see that thing and you are actively pursuing it, you are working towards it, you are serving God with your whole heart to get to that thing, I want to say amen. But I want to say to those of you who feel like the voices, the attacks of the wicked one have gotten you to a place where you feel weary, where you feel discouraged. I want you to take that thing in your heart and I want you to just take that thing in your hand, in your heart, you know, just come on up here to the altar. And I want you to just say, you know, I'm coming up to the altar here today to just, to just take this thing that the Lord spoke with me and I'm gonna say, I'm going to renew my commitment again to stand strong, to fight 
the good fight of faith, to believe that God can do this thing and, and to not give up, to not refuse him who spoke to me today. If that's you and you want to come up, I want to invite you up to this place. Come on up. And, you know, if there's anybody here today that maybe you, maybe you don't know the Lord or maybe you know something about him, but you, you don't have a relationship with him or you haven't been serving him or you've fallen away from him or you feel like, you know, you're just not right with him, I want to give you an opportunity today. And I want to give you an opportunity to accept the Lord in your life. The, the, uh, the one who created the heavens and the earth, he loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son, the Bible says, to die for you, to pay the price for your sin. You know, it's, it's amazing to see that God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. And if today you want to accept him in your life. You want to dedicate your life to Christ. I want to just give you that opportunity. And if that's you, I just want to ask for you to raise your hand wherever you're at. You can just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Okay. All right. Well, you know, where I come from, I like to have an altar. I like to have an altar call, so I want to have all you guys come up here. I want to see this thing filled. If you don't mind, the altar here is a place where the presence of God can be, right? And sometimes we need to come to the altar, and we need to just open up our hands and just begin to praise and to begin to worship and to begin to call out to God. Come on up here, kids. You can come on up. I want to encourage you. Go ahead and close your eyes. Begin to pray. Begin to speak to the Lord.
that you came tonight I got one amen I said aren't you glad that you came today I know I am man good word pastor Adam we really appreciate you coming and ministering that word something that we all needed to hear and man we are just so blessed to have you you and your family and uh, we're praying for your ministry we really are and man I just I'm so touched by your family your your kids I remember me and my wife when we were pioneering, and Alyssa and Kristen were that small. They're not that small anymore, but uh, man, and just seeing them, this, I mean, they're, I know they're your top members in the church because they're the ones that pass out all the flyers, and because uh, <laughs> that's the way our kids were too. But man, blessings upon your, your ministry. I know God's going to have a, a really good things that's going to be upon your guys' life, and um, I'm just so blessed that they were able to come and to share the word of God. And a uh, um, little secret, he'll be with us on Sunday morning too. So I didn't tell you, but okay. So act surprised when you see the announcement, but he is. But no, we're really blessed to have him here. A couple of announcements that I didn't say earlier today. Um, um, our Christmas um, party is December 22nd. December 22nd, and um, you can go to the website, or, and um, it's a white elephant gift, um, so you just bring a present, so we're not 